Good morning, everybody. It'd be uh, great to have Daniel 5 open. And uh, if you were here last week, hopefully you remember that um, last week we were thinking about how God is in control. We've really been thinking about that all the way through Daniel so far. But in particular, what we saw last week is that God is in control of the kingdoms of the earth and he gives them to whoever he wants. And what we're going to be thinking about today is really kind of an extension of that. So God is in control of the kingdoms of the earth. And on the one hand, that means that he gives kingdoms to whoever he wants. But on the other hand, it also means that he takes kingdoms away. And we actually already got a hint of that right at the end of Nebuchadnezzar's letter back in chapter 4. So just have a quick look back with me uh, at chapter 4 and verse 37 and just the very last sentence. It says this, those who walk in pride, he, that's God, is able to humble. And that idea is exactly what is played out in today's chapter. In Daniel chapter 5, God humbles the next king of Babylon, a guy called Belshazzar, a guy who is proud, a guy who is arrogant, a guy who treats God as though he's nothing. God humbles him and he takes his kingdom away. Because the fact is, God is in control of the kingdoms of the earth. And he does give them to who he wants to give them to. And he also takes them away. Now, I reckon it's really interesting to try and trace that idea through and to think about its implications for us today. I mean, if this is true here in Daniel, that God takes kingdoms away from proud and arrogant and disrespectful rulers, if he takes kingdoms away from people who treat him like nothing... Is it true, do you think, for guys like, say, Kim Jong-un in North Korea? In his pride and arrogance, he makes people worship him as a god. Anyone who dares to believe in a higher authority in North Korea, they're considered an enemy of the state. If a Christian is discovered in North Korea, they'll be arrested and imprisoned and likely tortured and worked like a slave until they die. So if God really is in control... Will he take away the power and the authority of people like Kim Jong-un? Or what about our state government? I don't know what you've thought about things this week, but it seems to me they have shown complete disregard for God. And they have tried to rush through a horrendous new bill so as to decriminalise abortion. If God really is in control, will God take away their power and authority? Big questions, hey? Be good to keep thinking about them, and we'll come back to them and give them them some more thought in a few minutes. But first, let's see how this situation works out in Daniel chapter 5. As the chapter begins, it becomes obvious that there's a new king in Babylon, King Belshazzar, and he throws a big party. So verse 1, have a look. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Now, we don't really know much about King Belshazzar. He just kind of pops up here at the start of this chapter. And uh, sorry for the spoiler, but by the end of it, he's kind of gone. But from other really old Babylonian documents, uh, it seems like Belshazzar was the grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar. And it also seems like he wasn't actually the king. Uh, His dad, a guy called Nabonidus, was the king. And while his dad was away fighting battles, Belshazzar was left behind to kind of act as the king. And so that might be why he's throwing this big party, to try and kind of buy support 
and respect with food and wine and entertainment. And he also seems to be going out of his way to try and impress the nobles of Babylon by getting one up on his granddad, Nebuchadnezzar. So have a look at what he does in verse 2. While Belshazzar was drinking wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his predecessor, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So you've got the picture here. Belshazzar gets these goblets that belonged to his granddad, Nebuchadnezzar, that Nebuchadnezzar had treated as sacred and he'd kept them stored away safely in the temple. Belshazzar gets them and he passes them around to his friends to drink from at this party. It's pretty arrogant and disrespectful to his granddad. But as bad as that is, what's worse is the arrogance and disrespect that he shows toward God. Because not only does he get these cups that were from the temple in Jerusalem, right? Cups that were used in the worship of ancient Israel, cups that were meant to be used to praise the God of the Bible. Belshazzar gets those cups and he uses them to get drunk. But worse than that, he also uses them to praise the gods of Babylon. Look at verse 4. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood and stone. This is incredibly arrogant, right? By doing this, Belshazzar is showing that he thinks God is defeated. He thinks that the gods of silver and gold and iron and bronze and wood are more superior than the God of the Bible. And more than that, he thinks that God is below him and under his control. Belshazzar disrespects God. He puts him below gold and silver and wood. And maybe inadvertently, he puts out a challenge to God. He lays down the gauntlet. And boy, does God respond in a spectacular way. Have a look at verse 5. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. So God responds by sending this disembodied hand to write a message for Belshazzar on the wall of the palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together And his legs gave way. Literally what that says is, he was so frightened that the knots of his loins were loosed. Right? In other words, Belshazzar was so scared that he pooed in his pants. That's what it says. I wonder if you've ever had something happen in your life that's really frightened and terrified you. Like maybe you've got a really bad diagnosis from a doctor. Maybe you've been involved in an accident or a near miss. Maybe you've actually had some kind of near-death experience. Maybe it's been watching someone you love die. I don't know. Have you had something in your life that has just really frightened the socks off you? That has terrified you? That has made you stop and take stock? That has made you think about life and death and whether or not God really exists and how on earth it all fits together? Because sometimes life throws up things like that, doesn't it? Sometimes things happen in life that just make us rethink everything. That's what's happening for King Belshazzar here. He sees this hand writing on the wall and it terrifies him. And he desperately, desperately wants to know what it all means. He wants to figure out what on earth it's all about. And so he summons the wise men and the enchanters. But of course none of them can tell him. And so he gets even more scared. And then the queen remembers that Daniel's good at this kind of thing. And so in verse 13 we're told that Daniel was brought before the king. And Belshazzar, in verse 16, offers Daniel all sorts of riches. 
a royal purple robe, a big golden chain, a promotion, if he can explain the writing on the wall. But Daniel's not interested. Look at what he says, verse 17. You can keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. See, Daniel couldn't care less about the riches of Belshazzar. He's not interested in having a high standing in Babylon. He doesn't live for the things of this world. Daniel is single-minded and unwavering in his determination to live for God. And look, that's a bit of a theme that we've seen already in the book of Daniel, isn't it? I mean, it's what we saw back in chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They were thrown into a furnace because they refused to bow down and worship a statue. It's what we'll see again next week in chapter 6. Daniel will be thrown into a pit full of lions because he is determined to serve God only. And here, Daniel has just been offered the riches of Babylon, one of the great wonders of the ancient world, and he's not interested. Because the things of this world, the gods of this world, riches, wealth, health, happiness, acceptance, popularity, prestige, power, they are nothing compared to knowing and serving the one true and living God. What Daniel does here, it is a great reminder for us and a great encouragement to us to honour and serve the Lord alone as God in our lives. In fact, Daniel is so not interested in the things of Babylon, he is so determined to live for God only, that after he reads the writing from God, he now has the guts to rip into the king Belshazzar. In the next few verses, Daniel compares Belshazzar with King Nebuchadnezzar and it is not at all a favourable comparison for Belshazzar. So in verse 18, Daniel reminds us that God gave Nebuchadnezzar a kingdom and great power and glory. And Nebuchadnezzar was so powerful and so great that everyone was scared of him and he just did whatever he wanted. But then his heart became proud and hardened with with arrogance and so God took away Nebuchadnezzar's power and authority. He went mad, remember, and he lived like an animal for seven periods of time And that happened until Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged that God is in charge, God controls kingdoms, God gives them to whoever he wants. In the end, remember, eventually Nebuchadnezzar got it right. He acknowledged God and he praised God. That's what we saw last week. But then Daniel says that Belshazzar is nothing like Nebuchadnezzar. Have a look at verse 22. But you, his successor, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. See the contrast there? Daniel says that Belshazzar has not learned a thing from his granddad. Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself before God. Belshazzar has not. Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged that God is in control. He acknowledged that the God of the Bible is the one true and living king of the universe. Belshazzar knew that and he still set himself up against God. And worse than that, Belshazzar disrespected God by putting God below gold and silver and iron and wood and stone. He praised blind and deaf and stupid idols rather than the God who holds life in his hands. Verse 23. You praise the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. 
but you did not honour the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. And so because of Belshazzar's arrogance, because of his disrespect, because of his complete failure to acknowledge God, God sent the hand with the message, verse 24. Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. And this is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. So God's message to Belshazzar was short and to the point. But what does it mean? Well, Daniel interprets the writing, verse 26. This is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So Daniel says that the writing on the wall, this is what it means. One, God has set an end date for Belshazzar's reign. His days are literally numbered. Secondly, the reason his days are numbered is because Belshazzar has been weighed and measured by God and he has been found deficient. Deficient in humility, deficient in acknowledging God, he has been found wanting. And thirdly, what the writing means is that God, the sovereign ruler over the kingdoms of the earth, will take away Belshazzar's reign, will take away his kingdom, sorry, and he will give it to the Medes and the Persians. Because God is in charge of the kingdoms of the earth, he gives them to who he wants to and he takes them away. What the writing means is that God is promising to take away the kingdom from Belshazzar. Now, with that in mind, have a look at how the chapter ends. Verse 30. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. This guy, Belshazzar, right, he has seen what happened to his granddad, Nebuchadnezzar. He saw the way that God worked in his life. He has seen this disembodied, otherworldly hand appear out of nowhere. He's seen the graffiti on the wall. He's heard the interpretation, right? Your life is numbered. Your days are numbered. And yet he still doesn't stop. He still doesn't say sorry to God. He still doesn't acknowledge God. He still doesn't bow down and worship God. That's happened in basically every other chapter so far in the book, hasn't it? Nearly every chapter has ended, we've seen it, with King Nebuchadnezzar acknowledging that God rules with Nebuchadnezzar praising God and bowing down to him and worshipping him, and we just don't see that in this chapter. Belshazzar doesn't even acknowledge God because Belshazzar is a fool. All these big, incredible things have happened and he doesn't say sorry. And he doesn't worship God. He treats God like nothing. He disrespects God. He dishonours God. And so he dies. He's destroyed. And God takes his kingdom away. So it's pretty clear here in Daniel 5, isn't it? God is in charge of the kingdoms of the earth. And he gives kingdoms. And he takes kingdoms away. King Belshazzar treated God with arrogance and pride. He treated God as though he was nothing, with complete disrespect. And so God promised that there was a day coming when he would take the kingdom away from Belshazzar. And it happened that very night. God takes kingdoms away. And in case it's not clear enough here in this chapter, 
we're actually going to see that again and again in the book of Daniel. Later on in the book, in chapter 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, God will speak about other kingdoms rising and falling. He'll talk about the Persian Empire, the, the Medes and the Persians who have just taken over. He'll talk about them being conquered by the Greek Empire. And then he'll talk about the Greek Empire being conquered by the Roman Empire. There's going to be a whole bunch of more times in the book of Daniel where we will see God giving kingdoms and where we will see him taking them away. But if we see that in Daniel, the question still remains, doesn't it? What about today? What about Kim Jong-un in North Korea? What about our state government? What about other kings and kingdoms in our world who ignore God and who treat him like nothing and who disrespect him? Does God say that he will take those kingdoms away? Well, no. At least not in the way that he promised to take Belshazzar's kingdom away. God clearly said, didn't he? We just read it that Belshazzar's days were numbered. He promised that Belshazzar's kingdom would be taken away and given to the Medes and the Persians. And like we just read, it happened that very night. But we are just not given the same kind of detail about the governments in our day. God hasn't made any promises, for instance, about Kim Jong-un. But here's what God has done. In the New Testament... He has spoken clearly about a future day when all the kingdoms of the earth will be finally removed. God has promised that a day is coming when all human kings will be thrown down. A day when all human kings will have their kingdoms taken away from them. See, like he did with Belshazzar, God has set a day when Jesus will return as the judge and as the king of all the earth. And on that day, every kingdom and every power, and every authority, and every government that is foolish enough to set itself up against Jesus, and that doesn't acknowledge that Jesus is the king, it will be destroyed, and it will be removed, and it will be taken away. And so look, our state government might not be removed tonight. It might not be removed next week. It might not be removed at the next election. But if they continue to arrogantly disregard Jesus... If they continue to treat him as nothing, then we can know this for sure. A day is most certainly coming when they will be destroyed. Because on that day, Jesus will be the only true king and his will be the only kingdom that will be left standing. But you know, friends, it's not just kings and queens. It's not just presidents and prime ministers and governments who will have their power and authority taken away if they don't acknowledge Jesus. This is not just true for people out there. The same is actually true for us on an individual, personal level. If in our hearts we are trying to live our own way, if we are trying to live as the independent rulers of our own lives, of our own little kingdoms... If, like Belshazzar, we don't say sorry to God, and if we don't bow down and worship him, if we keep treating him like nothing, then, like Belshazzar, our days will be numbered by God too. And we will be found wanting. 
and we will die and we will be destroyed and our little kingdom will be taken away. Because what we've seen in Daniel over and over and over again is that God is unquestionably in complete control. He's in control of world events. He's in control of history. He's in control of the future. He's in control of the kingdoms of the earth. He gives kingdoms and he takes them away. In this chapter, Belshazzar is an example. He's an example to all people. He's a warning to kings and people in authority and governments. But maybe more than that, he's a warning to people like us. Because look, I don't know, but you might be here today and you might have grown up with grandparents and parents and brothers and sisters and friends who believe in God and who follow Jesus. You might have grown up in the church or you might have been coming along here for a long time and like Belshazzar, you might have seen God move powerfully in people's lives. You might have read the great accounts from kids' church about Jesus calming storms and walking on the water and feeding thousands of people and healing the sick and driving out demons and dying on the cross and rising again from the dead. And you might have stuck with it all the way through youth group and you might have been sitting here at church for the last few weeks as we've listened about Jesus working miraculously and powerfully through the pages of scripture and throughout history. And you might have heard that God has loved you so much that he has sent his son Jesus to take your sin and to die in your place so that you, if you believe in him, can be forgiven and have eternal life. You might have heard that. You might have seen all that. You might know all that. And yet you're still sitting here today, treating God like he is nothing and not really taking Jesus all that seriously. Friends, please don't be like Belshazzar. He is a terrible, foolish example to follow because people like Belshazzar think God is small. They think God is insignificant. They think God is not really powerful at all and so they disrespect God. People like Belshazzar, they take all the good things that God has graciously given, the gift of life, the gift of family, the gift of friendship, the gift of success. They take all those gifts and they use them for themselves and they live life with no thanks to God. They live life without acknowledging God. They live life as though God is small, insignificant, powerless. They live as though God doesn't even exist and they worship all these other things and they treat God as though he's nothing. And I think there are people like this here today. And the warning from Daniel 5 is to please learn from Belshazzar's example. You have to hear this, friends. If you disrespect God in your life, if you don't acknowledge that God is in control, if you try and live life your own way without Jesus, you will be destroyed. You will not win. So please learn from Belshazzar's example. Say sorry to God. Acknowledge that he rules. Live his way. Let me pray. Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, we're really, really thankful for the warning and the reminder in this chapter. The reminder that you are in control, that you rule and that you have the power to give kingdoms, 
to those whom you choose and you have the power and authority to take it away. Uh, And thanks for the warning that that includes us. That if we think we can run our lives our way, treating you like nothing and ignoring Jesus, then one day you will call us to account for that. And we will face your judgment and you will take our little kingdoms away from us. And so help us to heed the warning. Help us to please not be so foolish as Belshazzar. Help us to acknowledge that you and your son Jesus rule now and help us to live your way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.